Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm your host, Sam Kane. God, what the hell is going on in Phoenix? Jeez. Did you guys see that essay that ESPN posted? My God, I, I, I sent it to most of my friends and they could only repeat like the first two paragraphs. I really had to like sit down and and analyze it and, and, and like take time to actually read. I'm not used to reading articles anymore. This isn't 2010. I'm, I'm used to just going on Reddit and seeing people talk smack. But, geez, this, this is bad. People can't even go to the HR office because Sarver might see them. He might see them, so they... These Phoenix Suns employees, they're suggested to come to the parking lot to speak with someone who works in HR. That way Sarver won't see them because Sarver takes a helicopter to work probably. So he wouldn't be there. I think the best the best quote is, more, more than a dozen employees recalled Sarver making lewd comments in all staff meetings, including discussing times when his wife would perform oral sex on him. Four employees said that in several all staff meetings, Sarver claimed he needed to wear Magnum or extra large condoms. That's like in, um, <laughs> end quote. That's like in. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, I, I, I need this magnum. I'm butchering it, but you know what I mean. It's Frank picking up a condom. <laughs> Pretty bad. All right, let's 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 get into this. We are talking the Chicago Bulls. Shit in the car, car won't go Chicago. Red hat, Chicago Bulls. Shit in the car, car won't go Chicago. Yes, they're actually good this year. Go figure. Longest tenured player. No, it's not Cristiano Felicio. Felicio? Felicio? I don't know how you say his name. That that guy. Felicio is. His NBA tenure was probably five years too long. Uh, no, it's not him. It's Zach Levine. He's the only guy that was on the 2017-2018 Bulls team and the 2018-2019 Bulls team. Only Levine and Kobe White actually remain from the 2019-2020 team. So this roster's really been completely overhauled, and clearly it was needed after seeing uh, <laughs> the early season results so far. I mean, they're actually good. They're winning games. It's because they barely have any players uh, that they've had uh, previous seasons. I mean, so many guys left this offseason. Thad Young, later. Uh, Ryan akaduka duka buka duka duka Him. Who else left? Uh, oh, Laurie Markkinen. Sayonara. Highest paid player, DeMar DeRozan, making $26.9 million. Now, three players are actually making more money than Zach Levine 
Levine will surely be getting at least $30 million um, in his next contract, whether that's with the Bulls or not. I think he's probably going to re-sign with the Bulls, especially since it seems like they're doing good so far. I don't know, that Sixers game, not the best, but they almost came back and won it. Highest paid D or G leaguer? Hmm. Is it DeRozan? Ah, heck no. It's too good for the D league, even as a rookie. They never sent him down to the uh, D league. Yeah, it was the D league back then. Obviously, it was like 2000, what draft was he in? Was he in 2009 or 2010? I think it was 2010. No, it might have been 2009. But no, DeRozan never went. Vucevic, did he have a stint? Remember, he was glued to the bench his rookie year in Philly during that lockout shortened season. Now, despite that, never went to the D-League. So who's next? Lonzo Ball, did he ever go to the the, uh, South Bay Lakers? No, sir. about Zach Levine? Maybe he had to, you know... Rehab his torn ACL after getting traded from the Timberwolves? Nope. Never went on a D-League assignment. So that brings us down to the fifth highest paid player making $9.7 million as Derek Jones Jr. And he's been in the G-League multiple times. But you gotta wonder... Did they give him $10 million bucks because he won a dunk contest? Or is he actually a decent player? Well, yeah, let's talk about Derek Jones a little bit, actually. So Patrick Williams going to be out for a while. Yeah, It's unfortunate. I, I, he's a good player. So they got Derek Jones Jr. playing a lot of backup power forward minutes since they are very thin at that position. And he's been coming out, you know, giving a lot of hustle plays, um, playing solid defense, hitting threes, just giving a lot of energy. And it's been fun to watch. He had a nice block on Joe Ingles that uh, I saw during the Jazz game. And uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a surprise he didn't really do much in, in Portland when he was there last year. I mean, like I said, I, I only thought he got that $20 million contract over two years because he won a dunk contest. But I, I guess he did some solid stuff on the Heat. Might have given them that contract based on upside, and uh, it seems like we're starting to see it now that he's... Uh, getting some uh, consistent minutes. Interesting that they are starting Javante Green in the starting lineup. So Green was glued to the Celtics bench for multiple years, multiple years. Two years, actually. Maybe one and a half because he did get traded to the Bulls at the deadline last year. Apparently, he's really good friends with Jason Tatum, which is kind of random. You know, 
since uh, you know Tatum's like a, a star, <laughs> and Javante Green, he's just hanging out at the end of the bench. But you know, it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you can be friends with players who are much better than you, right? Right? What am I talking about? So the Jazz game, that was probably one of their best wins of the season, I'd say. Um, God, Levine, he got he got pretty pissed at um, at Vucevic at one point during that Jazz game. So they had Caruso in the corner. Vucevic is in the baseline, saying a pick for Levine, and uh, Vucevic just wasn't paying attention to the ball. Caruso passes to Vucevic, unaware that the ball is coming his way. It ends up rolling to the other side of the court, out of bounds. And you just tell Levine was heated, but. I, I couldn't tell if he was mad at Vucevic or Caruso, or maybe he was just mad at them both, but that that really caught my eye when I saw that. Like, ooh, maybe, maybe Levine and Vucevic aren't getting along. We'll talk a little bit about Vucevic later. He's, he's kind of struggling right now. But his backup... Playing pretty solid. Tony Bradley, I uh, believe I referred to him as a quote-unquote NBA player back when I was uh, talking about whether he'd get an extension or not and restricted free agency. Um, yeah, Bradley, he's, he's, he's definitely an NBA player. He's just not starter material, I guess. He, he can definitely fill in as a starter, but... You should only do that when you're in a pinch, like with uh, the Sixers last year when Embiid was injured. Didn't expect Bradley to get a, a contract extension, obviously, since he was on the Thunder. The Thunder trying to go younger, pick up prospects with more upside. But I felt like Bradley was definitely an NBA player. When I was, you know, trying to figure out whether he get an extension or not this summer, and you know, it, what I predicted pretty much came true. He didn't get an extension, but the team picked him up, took a flyer on him. The Bulls had a lot of open roster spots this summer, and they filled them kind of late. They got uh, Alize Johnson. That was smart that they kept some spots open since Johnson was actually on the Nets at the beginning of the season. The Nets had to waive him in order to make way for one of their other players. Might have been when they signed Millsap. Might have been. But they've done a nice job filling out the end of the roster. Bradley was, you know, a, a very good pickup for the minimum. And uh there was a cool moment from the Jazz game in the second quarter. Bradley was guarding his former teammate actually, Jordan Clarkson. And I mean it was a switch, 
but you know, Clarkson was going one-on-one with Bradley out on the perimeter, and everything was just out of whack. People were switched on each... Alonzo was switched on Gobert. And Bradley looked screwed, I was going to say, but he, he managed to do a pretty solid job closing the lane to the basket. Clarkson ends up chucking up a baseline shot, airballs it, Gobert rebounds it, holds it. So Clarkson runs out towards the three-point line. He gets locked up, so he dribbles around, trying to get to the basket, passes it back to Gobert, who fumbles it out of bounds. So that all started with great defense by Tony Bradley. So hats off to him. Yeah, DeRozan. Loving this DeRozan season so far. How refreshing is it to see all these mid-rangers? I'm just, I'm so, so tired of just seeing these ill-advised, chucked-up threes. It's bad. It really, it's... I used to love three-pointers. Like, I used to love Ray Allen on the Celtics hitting, you know shot after shot but um that's back when it was more of like a specialty to be a three-point shooter now everyone's a three-point shooter the magic has just been completely ruined for the most part it's you know kind of what happened it's kind of like uh, a new hit song that comes out that's really catchy and you enjoy it, but then the radio, they just play it over and over and over again to the point where, you know, you want to drive off the Tobin Bridge. That's very specific, but um, seriously, though, Hey Ya, Hey Ya was one of those, those songs that was like that. I just could not stand it. And DeRozan's great. He's an MVP candidate right now. He's, you know, doing what DeRozan does. Clarkson was guarding him at one point, top of the key. DeRozan goes to the right. What does DeRozan do? Dribbles behind the back immediately, goes to his left. Pops in a mid-ranger. I'm telling you, long twos are just refreshing now. Holy hell. Especially when he dribbles in. Like, he catches the ball in the three-point line. And he, he dribbles, like, really fast into the key. And just pops a mid-ranger. Because no one's really guarding that area. It's like... It's a, it's almost an art form to DeRozan. Because I, I feel like the only other time we we see mid-rangers, maybe when, you know, someone's trying to back another person down or the, the shot clock's expiring, you don't, you don't see it that much. Or maybe it's like when they're, like, fairly close to the basket but shoot it. Just not seeing it too often, and it's uh, it's really 
fun to see a guy score nearly 40 points without taking a three. I I absolutely love it. I kind of wonder what's going to happen with the three-point line. Because these new guys, they can... They can really hit shots from way out now. I mean, they're they're just hitting like I mean, it drives me nuts. They're they're shooting thirty five footers with seventeen seconds left on the shot clock, and um, you know a lot of times are missing. But some of these guys, Cade Cunningham, his first three was from the logo, first made three. And that is uh, pretty impressive. So there's talk about maybe them pushing back the three-point line. That might look a little strange on the court. Just because the corner three, you can't, I don't know, you can't like expand the court more on that side. Maybe you do that. I'd imagine that would look a little strange, though. I think what they should do is first 20 games of the season. If you're if you've taken like say at least 10 three-pointers and you're averaging under 30% for 3, you should just be banned from taking threes for the rest of the season. Like it, it's just like if if you shoot a 3, it's a technical foul the other team it uh i i mean I, they're gonna have to get creative here but it's 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 too much i i i do like that they they got rid of this whole players trying to draw the fouls jumping into another player that's that stuff drives me crazy the trey young james harden specialty no thanks. Um, what else happened? Oh, I gotta say, I really like Lonzo's temperament. I, I I don't think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but um, I I I just I like his attitude. He's not too cocky or anything. Now, yes, I do remember when he refused to come to one of his teammates' defense. This was a, a fight, I believe. Was it his rookie year? It might have been his second year on the Lakers. Um, But, you know, dare I say it, it's refreshing to have a young guard in the league who's not constantly complaining to the refs after they miss a basket. There's actually a term for, you know, these players who who are constantly complaining to the refs. Yeah. I I mean I would know it because I just invented it. It's called Tatumitis. It's on WebMD. Look it up. I'm just surprised Lonzo um you know, kind of is the way he is based on his dad's attitude he seems to be the polar opposite of his dad in fact I've, i felt kind of bad it seemed like 
uh, Lavar just had total control over him, and Lonzo looked a little uncomfortable sitting next to him in interviews. <laughs> He's just his dad's taking up the spotlight. It's I don't know. I gotta say, Lamelo, he definitely has his his dad's smile. No doubt about that. He definitely got that. Um, but yeah, the Lonzo's Lonzo's been pretty solid so far for these guys. I did torture myself and watch the Celtics Bulls game. Again, from a certain point, I watched it live, but I had to go back and watch it again. I wanted to see where the wheels really fell off for the Celtics. Because they, they fell off. And they fell off quickly. I mean, two minutes, 26 seconds left in the third quarter. Celtics are up 96-77. to 77. This is right after Richardson nails a mid-range jumper. Which, you know, I, I thought after that, the Celtics were definitely winning the game. Richardson sucks. He's He never hits jumpers. This is great. We're definitely winning. We have a 19-point lead. But then it started going downhill from there. I actually jotted down some notes. The lineup that the Bulls had out there to start this huge run. This huge run. they Because uh, they were down 19. The game ended with the Bulls winning by 14. It's like on, there, there's some crazy stat that was posted. Like this, this is like the first time that a, a, a lead like that was blown. And then the team ends up losing by double digits like that. But uh, the lineup that was out there, it was Caruso, Zach Levine, Derek Jones, Derek Jones, Tony Bradley, and this guy. I didn't even know who this guy was, really, until watching the Bulls this week. I, I was like, who is this guy? It's it's Ayo DeSumo. Sumo. He's good. He's good. He was a second rounder from this year's draft, pick thirty eighth. I don't even think Greeny and I covered him on our Green Eggs and Sam draft podcast. Yet this guy, he's he's given the Bulls a, just a lot of unexpected energy, and he, he doesn't look like a rookie out there. He hit a um, a corner three that that bounced off the rim. I even I I mean I when I rewatched the game, I watched the Bulls broadcast, but obviously watching it live, I'm watching the Celtics broadcast. As soon as the ball goes off the rim, Gorman's like, oh, he misses the three, but it makes a friendly bounce, ends up going in the basket, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, that's annoying. But what can you do? And, uh, yeah, he blew by Horford at one point on a fast break. Horford, who looks great. 
not making that many mistakes this year, not too many people, you know, making plays on him. DeSumo can. DeSumo can. And then he he hit two threes later on in the fourth as well. He hit a three that uh, put the Bulls up for the first time since the first quarter in that game. They uh, they just kept chick- chipping away. And it it's hard to talk about this since I'm such a big Celtics fan, but, you know, at the same time, you really got to give it up for the Bulls. I mean, they look dead in the water. You could see the frustration that they were having in the third quarter. Levine. Levine's always a little, you know, angry to begin with. Not really angry, more so. Just seems annoyed a lot. He's, yeah. I don't know why he's he's so annoyed. He's, He's makes a lot of money. Has a very silky jumper. Maybe, maybe smile a little more. Won won a couple dunk dunk contests. Probably shouldn't have won one of them, right? It should have been Aaron Gordon, but we're not talking about that. The uh, the Celtics lead was twelve. It was early in the fourth quarter. See, I'm just getting, I'm just getting angry. Looking back at this, the Celtics—they were acting like they were up thirty with five minutes to go in the game. They weren't even up twenty. There was practically a whole quarter to be played. This is a big mistake. I. Really, really pisses me off. Look, I know they they won two games in a row. The Magic, who cares? The Heat, that was a really nice win. Not not convincing me. Do that for a month. Play play that well for a month, and then we'll talk. Now, um, the Bulls. They played good defense on Tatum. Tatum Tatum screwed up this game. They uh they were triple covering Tatum multiple times. Uh Tatum he just made a lot of bad plays. The Bulls targeted him, which they they should have done because Tatum was just making bad decisions left and right. Um even the Celtic players, I don't Dennis Schroeder is paying more attention to where Tatum is, making sure he can get him the ball when he has a wide open lane to the basket. You know, realizes last minute, oh wait, I can just drive it and shoot a floater. But it's too late at that point because you know he's too worried about Tatum. He's looking around for Tatum. Shot gets blocked, and finally, Celtics just took it took Tatum out they put him brown the Bulls had the exact same lineup as I mentioned earlier out there with uh with nine minutes to go and this group this group I'll say it again it was Caruso Levine Derek Jones Jr. Tony Bradley and a a (laughs) Io I think it's Io 
And they went from being down 19 to kind of lead to four points. Like, props to them. Like I said, when I rewatched it, I watched the Bulls broadcast. Levine scores his 8,000th point. And, uh, you know, right as, uh, like the announcer said, oh, this is great, he's scoring his 8,000th point. And, you know, right as Levine's shooting a free throw, the graphics department puts it up on the screen, 8,000 career points. Alex Caruso. <laughs> like, what? Uh, a milestone moment ruined by an unpaid intern. Six minutes, 53 seconds left. The Bulls are now winning 106 to 105 from that AU uh, three ball that I mentioned earlier. What a What a turn of events. DeRozan, DeRozan gets put back in. It's just a sniper from the mid-range. Just a really, really, really pretty shot. He ties the game. I mean, the game was tied 110 to 110. There's still five minutes to play. DeRozan just took over. He, he, he closed them out. Now, Levine was really struggling. For the first three quarters of the game. And he, he was a big part of that run to to really cut the lead down. He hit a lot of uh a lot of threes, a lot of tough threes actually. Um and then the Sixers game. Oh man. Oh man, oh man. So, I'm going to bring it up now. What is going on with Nikola Vucevic? He does not look like an all-star this season. He's averaging 13 points a game. Let me pull up his stats. What What is going on with him? Like, he already can't play defense that well. It's not his calling card. It's, he's, you know, an offensive center, really. He can shoot threes, rebound well, double-double machine. But this year, stats are just way down. This is a guy that was averaging, you know, 24 points last season for the Magic. So he averaged 24 with the Magic. Comes to the Bulls, plays and starts in 26 games. Average is 21.5 points. He's averaging 13.8 right now. I mean, my God. Even even his third season in the league on the Magic, he was averaging 14 points. I mean, hey, I know it's early. It's been, what, like eight games so far? But... A little concerning. He's not a young guy. He's he's 31, my age. But you really hope, if you're a Bulls fan, that he's not hitting some kind of steep decline right now because that would would be pretty bad timing, especially now that 
the Bulls actually have a good team. I mean, there were there were some dark years with this squad. Some some really really dark years. Especially who's that Jim Boylan? Everyone hated that guy. And the reasoning for him being there, I think it was to save money because he was already on the coaching staff. It, it, Sounded really messed up. So, I know Gar Pax, they fired one of them. I don't know if it was Gar Pax. But, you know, they both sucked. So, you fire one of them, bring in a really good guy, cancel out the other guy. That's what they did. So... I uh, I mean Tony Bradley is you know really more useful on the court right now for the Bulls than Vucevic is. I think he, he I think Billy Donovan he should have made a bold move and sat Vucevic at the end of that Sixers game. Now it's not like. Usovic was a complete abomination. Like, yeah, he only scored four points in that Sixers game, but you know, at the same time, he was getting some rebounds and assists, doing some stuff on the floor. It wasn't a uh, complete negative. I mean, he had six assists, ten rebounds. But uh, still, like, not... not an X factor at all on the floor. Just complete negative. Negative 16 was his plus minus. It was the worst for the Bulls team. And it seemed like everyone could just go to the basket on the Sixers if they wanted to. Maxi, Shake Milton. And of course, you got Seth Curry taking his, uh, you know, f- silky mid rangers. I'm liking these mid-rangers. Seth Curry, DeRozan. So much better. So much better than seeing, I don't know, Kem Birch chuck up a 40-footer. I don't even know if Kem Birch shoots threes. He might not. But, yeah, I'd be a little concerned about Vucevic. Because if this, uh, I mean, thank God you guys are winning games, but you got to think, if Vucevic was who he was in Orlando, would you guys be undefeated? You might be. So, maybe you got to think of another option. It's the police. They're here to arrest me for slandering Vucevic. Eh, they just want to run a red light, probably. Vooch! What are you doing, man? All right, well, I mean, eight games into the season. We'll see if he improves or not, but I would not expect him to make an all-star team starting off this way, which is good. Let's let's get some new guys in there. Let's get some noobs, some newbies. It's a lot of good play, a lot of good young players in the league now. God, 
Can we make uh, Jalen Green an all-star? Seriously. It's an exciting time for the league. Next generation coming in. James Harden getting fatter and fatter each day. Looks horrible on the Nets. I went to a Nets game. I went to the Nets Heat game. This was last week. Actually, I, snu I snuck up to the front. Not the very front, but lower level. Saw the game up close. It was cool. It was cool. This wasn't till the fourth quarter, though. But, you know, not bad. I only spent 30 bucks to get into the game. And yes, I actually went with someone. I went with my my sister, my my sibling. My wife didn't want to go because it was a work night. If it wasn't a work night, different story. She can't stay up late. I shouldn't be staying up late either, but you got to make sacrifices sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Just guys, you got, you know, yeah, stay out till... Actually, I got home at 10-ish. Because, you know, I'm going from Brooklyn to Manhattan to Jersey. But it's it's not a bad train ride. I go to more Nets... I think I've been to more Nets games than Celtic games at this point. Because I, I haven't been to the, the TD Garden... Since I want to say January of 2018, which is wild. Wild to think about since, you know, for many years I was going to at least one game, one Celtics game a year. But, you know, when you live five hours away from Boston, just, you know, don't make it up there as much, so... Do the next best thing. You go to a Brooklyn Nets game. Ain't going to a Knicks game. I mean, my God. Prices were uh, ungodly. Like, even when they were trash. And they're actually good now. I, I don't even... I don't even want to bother looking to see what those prices are now. They're probably... Like, $200 to sit in the nosebleeds. Because these tourists end up spending my, and they're like, oh, people are visiting from like Holland. Like, hey, Madison Square Garden, the Knicks are playing the night. Much is it? 200 US dollars? That's, that's not a lot, right? Why not? We're on vacation. So what happens when really they could spend that money much more wisely by, you know, just traveling a borough over to Brooklyn and, you know, seeing one of the greatest players to ever suit up in the NBA. Kevin Durant, suit up in the NBA, ever play in the NBA, you know? Like, Durant, he's top 20 all-time, right? Maybe, maybe that's too much. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta look at, look at a list. I've never made a list. 
Yeah, I gotta look at Bill Simmons' list, see where where he puts everyone. Well, I don't know, guys. I I, I kind of think he should be. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The, the list I have is a little wonky. But the Bulls finish up on the Bulls. I believe I have them fourth seed because I know a lot of people were like, you know, these they're not gonna do anything. Yeah, they got DeRozan, but he's old. Lonzo Ball, he's not an all-star. Levine, he's been on this team for years. He's been chucking up shots. He's probably going to leave next year. Oh, so what that they have Vucevic. He's empty, empty stats guy. But now they're actually good. So they've uh, they've certainly shut up a lot of people. I felt that they were going to be a good team. So me and my coworker, we make a list every year um, doing, like, rankings, what we think the final standings are going to be in the NBA. Little little fun bet that we do. I'm trying to find this list, though. Where the hell... Okay, here it is. Uh, I have the Bulls fifth. I guess I'll read it now. I'll read off the East to you guys. Nets, Bucks. This is final standings of uh, the season. Nets, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Bulls, Knicks, Heat, Pacers, Wizards, Raptors, Hawks, Cavs, Hornets, Pistons, Magic. So, Nets 1, Bucks 2, Celtics 3, Sixers 4, Bulls 5, Knicks 6, Rhymes, Heat 7, Pacers 8, Wizards 9, Raptors 10. So we'll stop there. So, Wizards and Raptors in the play-in tournament. We'll see. I think I'm definitely right on the magic. Because they are ass. Alright, so we are going to cut to the talk I had with my cousin about Jason Turnover Tatum. Alright, I have cousin Alex here. What's going on? Sam, what's up, buddy? Ah, last time we talked about the Celtics, our spirits were high. <laughs> They're probably not going to be too high as we talk about them right now. Uh, yeah, we totally misjudged that. I hate this team as much as ever. I'm getting PTSD from from last year. It's it's freaking me out. Like, Yeah, it's just, it's never, I mean, how many team meetings are they going to have? Oh, the players only team meetings. That's PTSD from the Kyrie year. Uh, They've probably had like double digit players only team meetings. Yeah. In the last, I don't know, four or five years. Not good. Not good at all. No, they beat the Magic last night. Who cares? Could care less. <laughs> uh, Magic are the worst team in basketball. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're they are pretty bad. They got some solid young talent. I talked about them a few weeks ago. Um but yeah, that's a team everyone's gonna beat, basically. Yep. Uh so what I'm gonna do, I figure we could ask each other some you know some tough Celtic questions. I'll start off. Do you miss Brad Stevens as coach at all? Yes. I was hoping we would talk about this. Yes. Okay. I think he took a lot. Of, I think he took a, a brunt of the blame for what happened the last couple of years, even though I think he was really a great coach. And with those teams, those, un, those overachieving, you know, not as talented teams, I think that was in large part due to his good coaching. And obviously he just got worn out by, you know, the head cases that we've had over the last couple of years. And I, I would love to know the whole story if he actually was worn out or if they pushed him out because the players weren't responding to him. But it they clearly miss him on the sideline because Yudoka is still a rookie head coach. He's got the swagger of a head coach, but he's still a rookie, you know, mm-hmm. and he it doesn't seem like he fully grasps it yet. Totally. Yeah, I. I definitely felt like it was probably time to move on from Stevens after that. I was, I just figured, you know, the reports were correct. He lost the locker room, whatever. But after watching like the first few weeks of this season, I I don't think it's it's much of a coaching thing. It's more on the players. There's something going on. They're not they're not playing team basketball mainly are uh, two main stars there, uh, Jalen and Jason. Not enough passing, especially at the end of games. And I do wonder whether Stevens was actually worn out or not. He might not have been, although I, I can't imagine like dealing with Kyrie for a year and then going to the bubble and the NBA and then starting again basically two months later was uh very comforting and then <laughs> just just having a disaster of a year last year with players getting covid so I, I i could buy that he was worn out but um i i don't think it's it's fair the point the um the the disappointment that the the the, the disappointing season that the Celtics had last year uh, completely on Stevens no, absolutely not. It's I, I believe it's all on the players. There's mm. something about the main core that just doesn't gel right. I don't think Tatum and Brown really do makes any sense together. It's I know it's kind of the typical like hot take right now. And they're both unbelievably talented, but they clearly are isolation scores and having two of them in in the most important moments really slows everything down and it doesn't allow anyone else to get going and I think my conspiracy theory is that Brad saw that the future of this team was these two Mm. and they're not really ideal guys for him to be coaching he wants to coach more of a defensive gritty you know ball movement minded team who's very smart on defense and it just wasn't the roster makeup and if he was going to stay here it would have had to be in the front office and not on the floor yeah and I, I gotta say Love the first front office move he's he made. Al Horford being back has been like one of the only bright spots so far this year. 
It's, yeah, it really has. He's been unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's like, oh my god, it's so so nice seeing him again. Um and even even it sounds like he's taking more of a a vocal stance in the locker room this year, especially after the loss on uh Tuesday night. Um but it sounds like he's he's really encouraging the guys. Uh, I, I read a, a report that he was talking about. Hey, you know, we should be like happy with uh, the potential we have. Uh, kind of uh, referencing his his previous stops. I mean, he was just in Oklahoma City. They've they were going nowhere. It's like, hey, you know, we're we're in Boston. We're the Celtics. At least we're doing something. At least we're not in OKC tanking. Yeah. yeah, it seems like he's very happy to be back too, which is great. He's I wish he was just a little more of an alpha dog because that's really what this team needs is a, a locker room alpha dog that all the players respect. We do, and yeah. It, that's something that they respect Al, but I don't think he's ever been that vocal leader throughout his career. Yeah, we need him to be like KG, like... Yeah, a KG type of leader, especially that Kyrie, the second Kyrie season. Yep. That <laughs> Kyrie directly called Kyrie. him out. Oh Kyrie basically God. said they needed a veteran leader in the locker room, and Al was on the team. He's like, he was like thirty, probably thirty-one, thirty-two at the time. Yeah, I'm sure, he wasn't too happy about that. No, no. God. But yeah, I can't. Could you even imagine KG with this group of guys? It would be. <laughs> he would show up to he would show up to the player only meeting. And just beat the shit out of every single guy in there. Yeah, he'd probably. I I think he does like Marcus, but he'd probably be even annoyed with Marcus at times. Yeah. Oh, it would drive. Yeah, it would drive him nuts. It's basically just a team of big baby Davises, <sighs> and KG would just eat them all alive. Well, hopefully they don't start making up fake insurance forms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what's going to end up happening with that. It's the, that was the, f- the funniest group of names of all time. A lot of Celtics, a lot of former yeah, Celtics. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Celtics. It was just like the typical role players who would be, you know, thrown around. They they would probably each of those guys probably played on 6 plus teams at least. Yeah, the, the the mastermind being Terrence Williams. <laughs> How <laughs> freaking random. Remember he played point guard for us? Yeah. Uh when Rondo tore his ACL, we we plucked him from China and <laughs> we're just like, "Look, we know you're uh more of a uh a wing, maybe a, a shooting guard, but yeah, we're we're going to have you play point guard." So I think he said like he didn't have like a ton of experience dribbling, so he would just carry a basketball with him at all times and dribble in hotel lobbies and whatnot. It's like, <laughs> what is this? Well, Come there weren't on. any better options. It's incredible that there weren't any better options. Yeah, I, God, yeah, it's dating back a while ago now. There, I mean, <laughs> there had to have been, but Danny just seemed to like all the guys that were in China. You got DJ White, Shavlik Randolph. I think oh as Tommy God. Heinsohn said, he's got the the CBA All Stars yeah. on on the team. Have <laughs> like Randolph, yeah, classic. Oh um, my God, some of those teams were so funny. I know, yeah, some fond memories, but a lot like, of I miss like ones. the Luigi Dutomes and some some of those some of those names where the guys were so bad, but they actually somehow got playing time. It was that was a great era. I loved Tommy actually. Like I, I'm mad I never got to see him 
play in person. Like it, I, Brad was drawing up game winning shots for him. I don't. I think we talked about this before, but <laughs> yeah. remember Brad used to draw up game winning shots for him. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the do or die playoff game, or it was like the game before the do or die playoff game in that Cavs series where we got blown out, and Brad drew up the the game winning shot for Gigi. That's amazing. That's, that's what you got to do. Yeah. And of course, he bricked it. Yeah. Oh well. Well, he's he's making some money over in Europe now. Good for him. Yeah. All right. Do you have a question for me that, like, a, a Celtic stumper? Yeah, it's a controversial question. Okay. Um, I don't even know where I totally stand on it. I kind of toe both sides of the line here. But do you think Brown is better? Jalen Brown is better than Tatum. Um, that this season. This season. I, I I think yes. Like if you took out last season, the season before, if you just took out all their history, and you told an alien who has watched these games, who and looked at the contracts, who they would want going forward if they had to choose between the two, who would you choose? I think I test. It's it's probably Jalen. I mean, last night he really went off, and. There's just times where he's just completely dominant, doing stuff that, you know, we we've expected Tatum to do. But I haven't looked at the advanced numbers. I'm pulling them up right now, and um, it it seems like. Well, let's see what uh, their field goal percentage is. Three point percentage. I mean, Brown is is blowing uh, Tatum out of the water. He's yeah, it's not even close. Th- it's thirty seven point seven percent for Brown and Tatum. It's it's down to twenty six, and it's beyond terrible. And he shot awful again last night. Luckily, the other team scored seventy eight points. Mm-hmm. And and another Tatum's taking a lot more attempts than Brown is too. About five more a game and he's just he's not as efficient this year he's he, Tatum's putting up numbers but a lot of brick shots it's empty numbers too which I'm afraid that's what he's gonna end up being this I wanted to talk about Tatum yeah so they're both I see Jalen and Tatum as kind of having the the, the same main skill set right they're both so I, I hate the word isolation score, but that's basically what they are, I guess. So you, I would prefer to have just one of them. Tatum seems to, you know, he seems to be better. Uh, if look at last year, like the fifty-point playoff game, mm-hmm. he's he's it just exploded the last couple of years. But I don't think he's made All NBA yet. But he's been an All Star. He's done it all. There's something missing with him that I'd, I can't really put my finger on. But it comes to like leadership and and just looking like you care and as you know corny as it sounds bleeding green mm-hmm. that it, it just does it like with if you think back to like paul pierce and isaiah thomas and those guys like there was just something an x factor that they had that tatum just doesn't have it seems like he has all the skill set but he doesn't have you know that x factor killer instinct that those guys had and i don't think jalen necessarily has it but it, jalen just makes more sense as like a you know a 1b option who's like a really good scorer who's really good on defense and is very efficient i I just feel like having brown as a 1b is better than having tatum as a 1a if that makes sense no it does and i'm glad you brought up the culture thing 
yeah, it it doesn't seem like Tatum really is like terror. Well, like I, I don't want to say he's Does down. He, like he doesn't on care. It yeah, it's 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 a little you know nonchalant. He's like yeah, you know I play for the Celtics. Yeah, they're great. You know, but it's not. It it doesn't seem as passionate as it was with Isaiah and and Pierce, exactly. like you mentioned. And that has always worried me because Tatum really was projected as being a star after his like first year in the league. Uh, he was getting so much hype, and um, I was wondering, like, oh man, is this is this guy gonna, you know? really embrace our culture that much or is, is he gonna is gonna fit in or is he just gonna be like too big of a star to the point where he might want to go somewhere else when when free agency's over like he doesn't even have um a guaranteed fifth year on his contract so he could be a free agent in a few years and then you know the way things are happening now with players their agents are, you know, using like the few remaining years left they have as as leverage, saying like, "Hey, you know, uh, my client, I don't think he's gonna want to resign here. You better better trade him now and and get something." So, are we gonna start to hear rumblings about that in 2023 or something? I I mean, hopefully things can improve by then, but I. I could see that happening if, uh, if you know, games like the the Bulls game and you know uh, the couple couple of the Wizards games weren't that great. If those keep happening, then I don't know. Not looking great. Yeah, what terrifies me the most is that it's not like he's a volatile personality like Kyrie, where he can just shoot his way out of town. I don't think Tatum's that kind of guy, but he's so milk toast and just not real. He like nonchalant about everything. He's so laid back, where it's like he can just kind of breeze through these years as an All Star, make a couple All NBA teams, get his stats, be happy about it, you know, and like look back on those years like fondly. More so than a guy who's more driven to win a title. And I like, obviously, we don't know what actually goes on in his mind, but I just, I don't like how I thought that this max contract would kind of give him that alpha dog mentality where it's like his, not his, I hate saying his team because I don't think it really works like that in the NBA, but Mm -hmm. he should, he should be, he's like, should be the de facto leader of the team based on the money he makes and his talent. And he just doesn't seem to care about that, which is, pretty scary like if you look at the damian lillard comment on whatever interview the other night where he said he would cry if he won a title in portland and winning a title somewhere else wouldn't feel as good as winning in portland mm. and it's su- it's such just like a, a classic like homer take to be like i want a guy who thinks like that but i right. think that is important and tatum clearly doesn't have that team drive as much as he has the individual drive and in, no one denies his talent He's a superstar talent, and anyone anyone would tell me I'm an idiot for saying, like, I want to trade him because that's just, you know, you don't trade superstars in the NBA. It's a superstar league, but could you see him being a guy who's just always getting the stats, but it never really amounts to anything because he doesn't have that killer mentality? Yeah, I, I definitely can. And, like, I'll, I'll tell you, the only time he isn't nonchalant is when – he misses a basket and feels like he was fouled and starts yeah. complaining to the refs and doesn't get back on defense. It drives me nuts. 
it drives me nuts and it also drives me nuts at the end of games no matter the outcome he couldn't be running sprinting over to the other team faster to give the handshakes and to talk to the guys oh. and to hang out with it. the the Celtics are done showering and on the team bus ready to go home by the time Tatum's in the locker room after talking to all his buddies on other teams like I truly think he cares so much about like his stature amongst other NBA players well he'll never like get into it with someone he's always going to be like that friendly guy who's got buddies on every team and no matter the outcome he's always dapping them up and they're having a good old time and he could care less about you know what happened yeah he's he's that that's I guess what I was trying to get at earlier I was afraid that he would become like uh, a real social climber in the NBA and want to join a a another team with a with another buddy that's where it seems like it's going like he's openly said that like the other week he said that him and bradley bill have talked about teaming up together it's like like what here or in washington (laughs) yeah that that's the that's like the scary part it's like what what like yeah that's okay to be like yeah i'm trying to recruit him here so bad and i'm sure that is what he said and it was just what i read was taken out of context but like i'm sure he wouldn't care if he was if he ended up in Washington, he doesn't care. He he cares more about playing with his buddies than, you know, being like building, uh, I don't know. Uh, like if he, he, like he, it sounds super stupid to say, but like get a statue outside the garden, you know, he cares more about playing with his childhood friend than, mm-hmm. you know, having a legacy in a city that has a really rich basketball history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what, how, how can these guys, be so upset all the time i don't get why these guys are always disgruntled you play for the celtics and all the non-celtics fans the celtics haters probably are going to hate that comment <laughs> they're listening to this but like you play for the celtics like is it really that bad like is it is it too much to ask to make if you're going to make 200 million dollars to just look like you care and maybe one time when we lose just don't go and dap up the other guys and maybe storm off to the locker room and then do a post-game interview where you say this is bullshit i hate this like I'm going to do everything I can to be better. Like it, I don't know. It's just his, it, I'm more annoyed by his laid back attitude than I would be if he like was calling guys out after games and being a crazy person, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, geez, like, do you, do you want to go to Sacramento? You know, like, geez. Do you mind if I do my second question? Yeah, um, go real for quick? it. Mm-hmm. Cause it relates to Sacramento. Yeah. So right now, if Sacramento called and said, hey, Brad, we got Fox, we got Mitchell, Davion Mitchell, we got three unprotected first, I'll make it two unprotected first round picks for Tatum straight up. Would you say yes to that right now? Dude, this is hilarious because I was, one of the questions, I, I was debating on making my second question, well, whether it would be a Kings trade. Because, you know, the Kings, they, they just want a star. They want to make the playoffs. And I love their young talent. And I was thinking duh, um, uh, Davion Mitchell, Halliburton, and Fox, which, I mean. That's a lot. Like that's, I, I, I looked at lot. the trade machine, too, and I, like, saw Halliburton. And I almost didn't, I, I didn't, put, I didn't put Halliburton on there because that's almost too much. Which like it really is. That's it, almost it, like a no like, brainer. Yeah, like told me uh, like for a second I was like, wow, this is like if you told me like a year and a half ago, like trading T- 
Tatum would be something I'd want to do. And people are going to say I'm so stupid for thinking that way. And maybe I am. And it's just, you know, a quick trigger reaction to what's been going on. And it'll, you know, water will find its level. But I really do think that, um, uh, sorry, uh, Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell for Tatum is too much. That would yeah. make us a really great team. <laughs> would and then even though I know Fox is struggling, but those guys, if like just team oriented players, I think guys like that Brown would be so good with guys like that. Yes, because Brown is an efficient spot up shooter. He can create for himself. He's he's basically like he is like the Tatum light. You know, it, Tatum is like the superstar talent, but. Brown can kind of do all those things, and it's not like they're that far off. Like I read, sorry to be rambling here, but I read a good thing about Tatum from the end of last year where everyone thinks Tatum's this isolation baller. He was 10th last year in isolation frequency, so he has the 10th most isolation possessions, and he's averaging point. He was averaging at the time, which was the end of last season, point eight ones per those possessions, and he was shooting thirty four percent on those, which was a hundred thirty sixth for points per possession, and then a hundred fifty fourth in the league for um, percentage wise. So he was the hundred fifty fourth best isolation percentage player last year. That's... By the time the season was done, and we're basically running our entire offense based on the idea of him dribbling up the court and isolating like i don't know what is it like probably this year 35 40% of the plays yeah a lot and then i hate that we do that at the at the very end of games we just saw it recently yep i'm so glad you brought that up cuz even brad ran into this what is the deal with end of game isolations I, doesn't it feel like the last 2 or 3 years every single time we've been tied with 10 or less seconds left we've gone to the tatum isolation and it like hasn't worked pretty much every single time instead of ever we we never remember we used to run all those plays like remember i know you remember this like six years ago smarts rookie year like the Mm -hmm. alley-oop to him the alley-oop layup to him at the buzzer oh yeah like the brad drew up that great play for him brad drew up one in the playoffs i think it was with olenic right yeah he drew one up with al against the sixers maybe it was the Bucks or the Sixers, I forget who it was, but Al had a big one. It, we used to drop these great plays at the end of games, and it I was think, money. I think even Zeller had one at one point. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. It was, Brad always kind of threw a little wrinkle and always threw the other team off, and the team wasn't expecting it, and it worked. Instead, now the common phrase is, well, you pay Tatum to do, make those shots, so you give it to me ISOs, and you expect him to make that shot, but it's just hasn't been efficient for two years, and we still go back to it, and we did it again the other night. I think we've done it twice already this year. I hate it so much. And then it, I think it was an air ball. The, yeah, the in the Knicks game. One. He, he could have ended the Knicks game three different times, and he missed every single time. And guess who? All, I, I think he did catch the air ball, but you know, time ran out. Robert Williams. Why didn't you just do a lob to Robert Williams? Yeah, I totally agree. Robert Williams, at like just throw him one lob at the end of one of these games. Easy the basket. Guy can get up like 13 feet in the air. And he'll probably get fouled, like worst case. And, you know, he just needs to hit one free throw and you'd yeah, still win. Yeah, try to draw a foul. Get to the free throw line. Yeah. It, the, the Tatum deep mid-range fadeaway is awful. The, I, I just hate the Kobe Bryant aspect of him. He's, no. he's Kobe Bryant, but with all the bad things, like with 
without any of the real good qualities that actually made Kobe great. I'm annoyed with him. I'm um if uh if we're choosing between them, yeah, it's it's Jalen that I'm leaning it's, more towards. Yeah, I agree. It's Jalen with um a good deal to go like if you surround Jalen with really good guys like the Kings have, I think he would be just as good as if you brought those guys with Tatum still here, you know, with with Tatum, it's going to go one way. I feel like Brown can be a little better off the ball. I agree. I agree. Well, I'll ask my second question. Do you think we're purposely not playing Ennis Cantor because of his tweets? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, it is, it is kind of weird. I, I don't, it's funny, I was looking today at the trade machine, obviously, and we still have the trade exception for losing him, but now we pay him less money than what we could get back with a trade exception. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the it seems like he's just kind of buried at the end. I don't think – I think he's truly just a reserve anyway, even without that. Yeah, but that is true. But that is big business. Who knows? Maybe you're right. Yeah, I always wonder – because it almost seems like the camera isn't even, like, showing him during yeah. games. Like, he's definitely there, but who knows. He annoys me, and Grant annoys me. We haven't talked about Grant. I don't want to ever talk about him, but he really is just the worst basketball player ever. I don't I don't get why he gets so many minutes. He was hitting some shots at the beginning of the year, not so much anymore. Yeah, it seems like that's all he did the offseason was just work on the three-pointer. But even with even if he can hit threes, he still gets scored on like every possession. Yeah, he's he's too small to even. He's definitely to play the five and not the greatest power forward. Uh but I I mean that that Bulls game that just really left a bad taste in my mouth. Speaking of bad taste, our movie of the week is bad taste. You know. I think Peter Jackson is a genius. He's one of the most talented filmmakers in the industry. He's made like some of the biggest movies ever. I think Bad Taste is just it's just a bad movie, right? Yeah, it's it's just like a it's it's there's really no plot at all. It, I guess he made it over 4 years and uh he would film it on weekends. You could tell. You could especially tell at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The beginning was so disjointed and weird, and I, I didn't know what was going on. I did think the story was cool. This this the story. It was basically just I don't know if you ever saw that Twilight Zone episode, uh, to serve man. Oh yes, um, yes, yes. Where the aliens come in under the guise that they're you know gonna serve us, but it was actually just a double entendre, and they actually wanted to serve us as food to their entire race back on their planet. So they're basically assisting us and fattening us up basically for that. That's basically what I got from this movie. This was just like the comedy horror version of that type of idea. But there really was some disgusting scenes in this movie. (laughs) Really imaginative, especially given the budget that they had. Um, Yeah. I I was really impressed with uh, the, the pacing as well sometimes independent movies they you know stay on a shot for too long the the camera work is sloppy peter jackson was a cinematographer for this so he it seemed like he knew what he was doing he knew you know where where to get in close you know 
where to cut to. It uh, it's just a lot of like uh, creative scenes, and you know, like I'm wondering, like, how is a house? How do they have a budget for a house to start floating up? Yeah, and, the house spaceship thing. Yeah, the house spaceship. And at first, I thought because you you see it start to go up, and I thought maybe they just took a tree and just started pulling the tree down, making it look like that a real house is going up in the air. But then in another scene, it it was obviously like a a model version of the house, so. It was probably just a model, but like even like the cliff scene where they're fighting on the cliff, uh, the guy falling off the cliff, the, which was clearly just a dummy, like <laughs> in a certain like rolled up stance. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one part though on the cliff where it seemed like the guy was gonna fall off, and it actually seemed like he was really gonna fall off that cliff. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, the, for like a weekend movie, I mean, this like for I mean, like if for a movie that was just filmed on weekends for fun, that that seemed a little too close for comfort there. Right. Because in the back of your mind, it's like this is a really cheaply made movie. Whoa, you guys are near a, a, a what looks like a pretty steep cliff. And then they cut to another shot and it doesn't look as steep. <laughs> and then it, it, there's also ocean in the background in one shot and then they cut to you know another angle and there's like no ocean around at all <laughs> so yeah no he is incredibly talented yeah uh, definitely 100 uh, percent. i think that's like my biggest takeaway from the movie is how how technically like advanced he already was at that stage where even though it, there was and there was a lot of other you know little insert shot i thought was cool where the it was the scene of him actually because he's acting in the movie he was throwing up into the bowl <laughs> or right before they all ate it yeah and i read that that was a dummy but when i first watched it it looked so real you know and i like went back and looked again and it was clearly i don't know how he like prostheticized his head but it was like perfect and somehow it got that to work and it was a really cool i thought that whole segment was like my favorite scene in the movie yeah that's a it's like watching this and like knowing that it was just like friends making a movie like it inspires you to want to make a movie but i'm sure it led to many people like trying to make like a low budget horror movie and i'm sure right off the bat they realize oh wow this is actually a lot harder than it looks and i'd imagine that there's there were just so many little details that peter jackson had to had to handle so many props to make he must have had someone really helping him out in that department apparently he made the guns too he made the guns at like they weren't real guns he made them out of like steel pipes and like paint and obviously they couldn't shoot so he did all like the you know the the gunshot blasts and the uh, recoil like the recoil they had to do themselves by like shaking it and then he had to add in you know the effects and everything which it's like holy shit like there's a lot of fucking gunshots in that movie the, I yeah. mean, guys were just pumping machine guns into those aliens and that was all basically just prop guns and it seemed it seemed okay like it didn't seem stupid yeah it's it's it goes to show you know you don't need a lot of money for 
creativity, for imagination. <laughs> this movie uses a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of he's very imaginative. Yeah. It's I mean, his early movies are it seems like he never really strayed from comedy horror unless it was for like one of the huge IPs like Lord of the Rings or King Kong or Lovely Bones or something like that. Every and Heavenly Creatures was kind of a one-off too. I guess that was more of a horror mm-hmm. drama, but every mm-hmm. other movie he made was like a horror comedy. It was, yeah. So I I read something in a YouTube comment, so I I can't confirm whether this is this story is a hundred percent true, but I guess Robert Shea uh went into the editing room with Peter Jackson right after they shot uh fellowship I think it was and um, as he's in the ed- or I think it it was like Peter Jackson's you know place where he goes to edit or review for Yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in there and he's looking at the posters on the wall and he, he sees the bad taste poster <laughs> and in his head I guess he just got really nervous, like, oh, my God, I just gave this guy who made that movie $100 million. <laughs> and that's a lot coming from him. Yeah. Robert Shea's made some of the stupidest movies of all time, and for him to think that. But mm-hmm. that is that <laughs> that is hilarious. That's so true. It's like that if you... Get, like just if you watch that movie in, like, what was it, 87, 86? Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's when said, it came out. Gonna, He's going to be directing the biggest budget, like, superstar IP movie of all time that's going to, like, actually sink an entire studio if it fails, if you gave that guy. But I guess, like, the, his technical, like, savvy is pretty noticeable in that movie. So Yeah, I'm sure that's what they're paying more attention to instead of uh, yeah, exactly. the like alien the te- <laughs> It's like an NBA player. Like, they're paying attention to, like, the raw talent. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't – like, if the, even the team has 20 wins and the outcome isn't good and the movie isn't great, like, you see the little things that make him, like, the real deal. Definitely. Yeah, so if it came out in 87, apparently he filmed it over four years. So that means he might have started filming in 83, maybe even 82, which is which is pretty crazy. Like, you almost wonder, like, God, four years, like, one of his friends just could have been like, yo, I'm moving, <laughs> or, like, <laughs> get in a fight. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, this is dumb, man. <laughs> oh, I got I got a new chick now. We're going to Australia, man. <laughs> like, we're, we're <laughs> It's amazing that people really stuck with it. Like, when mm-hmm. you, like, go, you go to the editing with him, editing room with him after that first year and you're like look at what's done like because they didn't have any of the voice is ready yet he filmed it without audio and stuff and they watched that it's like why am i like sticking to this project like (laughs) what even is this like what like i'm wasting so much time on the weekends for this yeah but that's like the real like true testament to how me like the perseverance to finish that throughout four years is crazy you have to be a psychopath, especially for something like that where it really is dumb to, like, just keep pushing through. Yeah. I, I, so you would think, like, all his friends helping him out, that maybe they would all get roles someday in his big movies. And <laughs> It doesn't seem like that was the really case. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> I, I mean, I was looking at the cast. A lot of them don't even have IMDb pictures. 
And I I saw one guy who did a voice in The Hobbit who was also in this movie, but that's that's really it. I don't know. Maybe he still kept in touch with them. Maybe they didn't want to do movies. Who knows? Maybe that scarred them for life, and they were like, <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> this shit sucks. They're like, no thanks. I'd much rather be a dental hygienist. <laughs> and uh, Fran Walsh wasn't involved in this one, right? I didn't notice her name anywhere. I don't think so. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see her name at yeah, all. Yeah, so either. it must have been the next movie where they ended up, you know, their like lifelong partnership, where they're still, they still do everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd like the. The next movie more it was uh, Dead Alive. It's also been called Brain Dead before. Mm-hmm. That one I prefer over this. Although, you know, compared to some of the crap I've been watching from this book, like, <laughs> this is this is much better than a lot of stuff. I, Definitely, the, yeah. You the, can't like he he's really good. So, like I got I got to give it up for uh, you know the creativity and you know just using what you have to to get a shot done it's uh it's pretty remarkable so i will i will give it the tier four rating mm, yeah. wow yeah i will i will give it up for that um but um i don't know if i would i, I it's something where like i appreciate but i don't know if i would tell anyone to watch it yeah that's that's true i guess i guess it 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 has to be a horror fan. It can't be someone who's who's not a fan of horror. Maybe it's also because I've never been like horror comedy and like the you know this this like the splatter horror comedy, especially where it's like bloodbath, but like you know in a com like a comic way. It's never really been my thing. So do you, do you not really like Evil Dead or Army of? I was Darkness? gonna bring that up. So like yeah. uh, like Evil Dead. Two, I really like because there's a lot of you know cool scenes, but Army of Darkness and Evil Dead, it's a trilogy, right? Yeah. I I don't really um I was never really that into those. Like I respect it. I think it's great. I like Sam Raimi a lot, but I prefer some a lot of his other movies to be honest. And that might sound blasphemous because I'm a huge horror fan, and I bet people would think that's a ridiculous take. But I was never totally into those movies. Yeah, Army of Darkness, it, it just got way too silly at that point. There's yeah, that's one where they went back in time, right? To, like, yeah, medieval to the, times? Yeah, I hated that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's the only, like, medieval time movie I can watch. I, uh, I, I just was never a fan of that genre. And, like, even that that's, can be a, a chore to watch at times, Army of Darkness. Um, it's rarely ever on TV. I, I yeah, it's on one of the streamers because I tried to watch it again recently, actually, probably like two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just like fell asleep halfway through and then never really put it back on after. Yeah, and I'd, I'd never seen Bad Taste or anything. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Dead Alive ever on TV. I don't even think you can put it on. Oh, no. I can, maybe you can. I don't know. but you They, they would never put on Heavenly Creatures on TV either. <laughs> that one's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I saw that years back. That was that was really bizarre. The Michael J. Fox one is the frightening another horror. Yeah, it's another horror comedy. Yeah, just yeah for how like how talented he is, how good he is, how much I love Lord of the Rings. I not re- he would like he would never make 
any of my like favorite ever lists just because I'm not too into the the genre that he specializes in and pretty much like you know had a hand in like inventing almost mm-hmm. the, the the eating all the aliens eating the puke out of the bowl was the highlight of the movie for me that was a funny scene it was disgusting though because it was just like they just like threw in burp sounds like every two seconds throughout like that entire seven minute scene <laughs> and it was just like what is going on like they would take big gulps and then she'd be like uh 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 and the guy kept trying to get away from the line it was very, if you if you haven't seen the movie then you probably have no idea what i'm talking about but if you have then you would know what i mean yeah and Another thing I forgot to mention is like it's more of like attention to detail kind of thing. So the house becomes a spaceship, and I feel like a a lot of filmmakers would would just you know film inside the house. But that it, I'm I'm assuming maybe they were just shaking the camera, but they made it look like they were in space while in that house. And you know it's it's you know the small details like that. No, yeah, it's really separates cool. Separates Jackson a lot. Yeah, it's but... really cool how much he cared. You know, like mm-hmm. so I bet a lot of other guys would just kind of give up and be like, "All right, I'll just try to get as much as I can that looks cool." But he really went all out. Yeah, yeah. It's the drive like that that you know made him capable of uh, you know, tackling Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and The Hobbit. I mean, The Hobbit is kind of underappreciated at this point. <laughs> I, I feel like that kind of just slipped under the radar. Like I know they made a ton of money and everything, but I, those kind of slipped under the radar. Yeah, like, that, those are really, really good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear too much about the, like all my Lord of the Ring friends went and saw it, but I, I never really bothered to check it out. I mean, I just watched the original trilogy of lord of the rings uh for the first time two years ago so I, I was never really into it but um watching it for the other podcast i do the top 250 podcast um it's a great one yeah i uh i i appreciated them a lot yeah, those more are so than great. i used to yeah yeah it's it's definitely something you have to check out and just you know a, a real uh cinematic achievement you should really dive in and do all six in a row yeah i don't think any of the hobbit ones are even on there if you do the hobbit one through three first and then just immediately do lord of the rings one through three Mm -hmm. obviously it's that would i've never actually tried that but i now i'm gonna have to because that probably is like really cool yeah what Watching it all, I don't even think you could watch all that in a day, especially. No, if you're it would doing take it would take versions. a long time. Yeah, <laughs> the extended yeah. versions on HBO Max are all like three and a half, four hours. God, it's like a mini series. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, so for the hip hop of the week, we are doing titles that have the word "bad" in it, and Alex, you're gonna laugh when you hear. The first song start to play. <laughs> oh no! What is it? Call it Paul. Yo, Mike down, Mike down, down. Holla at your boy, baby. Yeah, you killed it on this one, man. Uh-huh. We got Yin Yang Twins and Mike Jones in the house tonight. Call it Paul and switch the house in this bitch. Check it out. Yo, 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 I'm looking for a 
How does it feel with the face full of fuck? With the bass in your truck, weed laced with the blunt. I puff, I never got snuff. Bust while I dust your monkey ass off. The night just crush on the hush hush. So if you wanna taste of the funk from the gutter, ask the brother. Why? Cause I'm bad. Word to mother. I'm a bad. This is for y'all hokey pokey punk pussy motherfuckers Just to show y'all I do what the fuck I wanna do I want y'all to check this on the real And yo, check this out Shake it, come on shake it, come on shake it, come on shake it What's up thou, what's up thou, what's up thou, what's up thou Yo, wait, come on, get back to the check, man. Get out of here. All right, all right, check it out. Flexing, I'm sexy when I'm standing in my drawers. If you can't check me when I'm rapping, put the tape on pause and listen to the incredible shit that I kick, my man. Give me five on the backhand, then stick your finger in a hole and chop the stick quick. Cause my lip get to the point to still rock the fly shit. Since you're holding your breath, I hold my shoes. I swing hardcore, so I walk, hold on my shoes. The original P-Funk takes no jump from a chump for Punk G. I've been this way every since. Nine months, yeah. so get down while I rip the racks from my lip, cuz my shit's more deep than any tape from a nick, They get a nice pick and kill a brother who pop trash. Basic instinct, I'm a shooter, so they got blasted. Much ass a kick, groove to the master mix. My song still pumps when it's not even mastered, bitch. My shit's very chronic, so rewind it, cuz it's like beyond bionic. Cuz I'm a wild and crazy guy, no lie. Left brother to battle me, I started pissing in his eye. A bad word to mother to the motherfucking hubbard. Eating a curse. Pump and splits cause she does it yeah. And if you still don't underfucking stand where I'm coming from yeah. Listen to my nine, understand where it's coming from Never played out of position or wishing or missing. I came out kissing wuzzle spanking the backside. Just oscillating nurses waiting for black guy. I, I was talking way before I could crawl or walk. And what the ladies heard wasn't baby talk. I drop a line like a bomber would drop a bomb. Highly explosive but notice I was cool and calm. Ready for action at the age of one. The fun was just beginning. I was winning. The ladies would come with arms open hoping for a kiss and a hug. I stripped down huh, and watched the ladies bug. I stood up for a while then I started walking. I heard the lady say, look who's talking. That's right, baby, you can leave me alone. Cause if you can't please me, don't tease me. Cause I'm bad to the bad to the bad to the bad. Side. Playing 
your brother in any game He wanted to play for fun of money For money yes he wanted to pay I wasn't digging for niggas so brother dig deep And fuck it over it's over I let the kid keep A little change is strange he wanted to bet it back I took his claim to fame he wanted to get it back And when the night was over I took his girl home I dimmed the lights to show her that I was bad Money and honey, funny twenties and tens, drive a Benz, you can't take nothing from it. Cause I came up on the streets, a straight up poor boy. But I beat the game, but it was war boy. Because the streets enticed you for the wrong thing. I couldn't pay the price, I wrote a song thing. And from the moment I touched the microphone, it was known that I was bad to the bone. But weak rappers and a lack of promotion made the job hard, I had to throw some. Weak lyrics together just to get paid. Go see the doctor and I got played. The train continued to the wild, wild west I heard some brother say he ain't the best, huh Well check the records that ain't well known And look around and see y'all my clones I bet I'm dirty red, sitting on the top of the world with about 36 million in my pocket and rocking it from the mountaintop. Living it at ease, who breathes up cause I'm counting top dollar. I'm a scholar seeking knowledge, I'm a truth seeker. The baddest brother on the microphone and two speakers. On turntables, I'm able to start a movement. And when I move, the crowd, the ladies move with fire in the eyes. The eyes never lie. I feel the fire and desire. Keep your eye on the prize. Ladies, listen to the man and watch me work. Fellas, keep you cool when she goes berserk. Cause I'm touching in my places that most men don't. Don't get jealous, fellas. All that saw she rolled. And when the night is over, you'll be alone. Cause ladies love you when a brother is bad to the bone. Don't play. 
making sure you don't try to battle me no more. Got concrete rhymes, been rapping for 10 years, and even when I'm bragging, I'm being sincere. MCs can't win, I make them rust like tin. They call me Jaws, my hat is like a shark's fin. Because I'm bad as can be, got my voice on wax. Some brothers think he's making records, now he must have relaxed. I couldn't, I shouldn't, and it'll stay that way. The best rapper you've heard is LL Cool J. You like a jelly bean. I'm bad. Suspect was last spotted with three other yeah. members of his group. They bobcats, they eat at a country. I think I'm gonna need backup. 